Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. This is Shane Hurricane Helms, and you're listening to Marvel List with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. What's up with that? Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelous, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing our very special guest, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them and our social medias. Go ahead. Do it. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like ski on there. Go on Twitter and Instagram at The Marvelists. You can also find myself on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster and on Twitter and Instagram on the gram at Peter Melnick. But remember, there's only one place in the whole wide world, the whole worldwide interwebs even, where you can find Mr. E. Wilson, and that is on Instagram, the gram as the kids say it nowadays, at Eddie9193. And on top of that, you can listen to this show on a wide variety of streaming platforms, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, wherever you can wrangle an RSS feed, we'll be there. Also, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share on iTunes. Well, not really share. You can't really share it on iTunes. But you can find it on iTunes. And much like the ice cream machine at McDonald's, four stars and below just does not work. Mm. So keep it five stars. Now, Eddie... Yes. On the other end of the tin cannon string, we've got a certifiable WWE legend. He is pro wrestling's only superhero. He is Hurricane, Hurricane Helms. Hurricane, how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. How are you guys doing? Well, we thank you for putting up with that in that long intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not a problem at all. So a lot has been happening in the world. Obviously, we're... A lot of us are holed up in our little, you know, places of residence, and as a result, we're doing a lot of reading. We're doing a lot of watching. Hurricane, what are you reading right now pertaining to the worldwide world of comic books? Uh, I'm reading a lot of stuff, actually. Uh, you know, my own podcast, uh, Highway to Helms, which, you know, I started doing in 2010, and I would break, you know, I would take breaks because... As you guys well know, podcasting isn't as easy as people think. But since I brought it back, uh, I've been devoting a section uh, strictly to comics. You know, I wanted to use, you know, my name to try to promote the medium. It's my favorite medium in all of entertainment. So um, I'm back reading weekly, but not just current stuff. I like to dabble in, um, you know, some of the older stuff. I recently uh, reread the Squadron Supreme uh, first series, which I think is the most underrated series of all time. Uh, I reread Legion Lost uh, from DC, which is one of my favorites. Are we allowed to talk about DC on here? Oh, yeah. I'm going to assume so. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite uh, series of all time as well. So for current stuff, um, I'm all over the place, man. If you want to talk just Marvel, I can dish on that. But I think the X-Men is the most the recent one of, of X-Men. That's the most interested I've been in X-Men in a long time, uh, especially just the main X-Men title. 
X-Men title with by Hickman. Um, Captain Marvel is really strong lately. The Avengers have been pretty good. I'm not a cra- I'm not crazy about the Ghost Rider being an Avenger, but uh, it's still a really fun book. I can go on and on, man. You're gonna yeah. have to stop. Well, we'll we'll interject as best as we can. I have to, before we get too far away from it, I mean, Squadron Supreme jumped out at me, and I believe there's been at least two versions, runs of that, uh, among the many things I have to catch up on, but um, I think the first maybe was in the 80s? 1985. Yeah, it actually predates Watchmen. Okay. Mm -hmm. And as far, you know, Watchmen gets, when you talk about that type of story, Watchmen gets all the credit because they kind of came out at the same time. But if you go back and reread Squadron Supreme, that initial run, you'll see so much stuff that has been, you know, maybe not just copied, but at least a lot of homage. And you'll see a lot of stories that came later that were definitely inspired by that first run, by that first day. I actually have to say, guys, that I don't believe in any podcast we've done, any episode, this Squadron Supreme ever came out of anybody's lips. So this is good. (laughs) You know? It's the most undercredited. Like series that there is, especially for how powerful it was. Well, I think that series from the 80s, 85, was what, 12 issues, let's say, with that? Correct. I have yeah. them down myself. Okay. And Hyperion was probably the lead character? Yeah. Okay. After that, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just like, it was such a you know powerful book, but that's why I reread it recently. I just always dabble back into it once every couple of years. I, I'm just curious because. What are your thoughts on seeing those characters utilized nowadays in the Marvel continuity? It's just, I mean, because they're like some of my favorite characters, I think like any reader, when if, if they're done right, I like it. If I, When they're done, you know, in ways I think are uh, stupid, I hate it. Um, I know they're recently being brought back um, in some of the books that are supposed to be out now, but I, get, I mean, they're on hiatus, obviously. And it's going to be interesting to see what, what they're going to be done with. But like now they're going to be being run by uh, Agent Coulson, I guess, and uh, being manipulated by my sister. So I hope we're not going back to the same old the Squadron Supreme is being manipulated again. But that kind of looks like it's the case. But I hope that's just a red herring. I, I just find it funny that, like, for example, I think Meghawk uh, came back a few years ago. They gave him, like, a uh, five- to six-issue miniseries, and... It's, it's one of those, it's classic Marvel where they'll bring a character in for like a few issues and then it turns out it was a miniseries all along, you know, like uh, what they just did with Daniel Kibble Smith's Loki run. And I kind of want to see like a ongoing maybe with the Squadron Supreme, just give them their own monthly, like see if they go, you know, a couple of years. They can do it. Yeah, and, if, and even if it's, if it's not just them, like when Hyperion was a member of the Avengers, I thought that was fabulous, just the way they utilized um, for, you know, I mean, it was in the for like a couple of years, and it was really good. Eddie? So the X-Men main title is where you're at now. Do you go further back into, uh, I don't know, where'd you start with, let's say, Marvel or otherwise, Hurricane? Tim, over, like, when did I start reading specifically? Yeah, what'd you start picking up with, uh, if you remember your first uh, titles or whatever? Oh, wow, I was like five years old when I got introduced to comics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my parents, my parents had got divorced, and with the new mother come up, came a new, uh, I guess, grandfather, and he had a bunch of comics. And like, I mean, you know, back then too, it was, you know, as I started reading around five, six, seven, I started reading heavily. You know, when I mean, at five, it wasn't like I could understand all that much, but 
I loved comics and, and really stuck with him. And he just had this crazy collection of even indie comics from back in those days. Mm. It was a lot of crazy stuff. So um, I was kind of, I never became a company guy. I never favored one company over the other because I was introduced to so many different things. But uh, it's just something that's always been a part of my life, you know, and um, somehow I ended up being a superhero in my wrestling career. So it kind of just, it all worked out for me somehow. Oh, it resonated with you, obviously, and you just kind of carried it into what you d- decided you wanted to do. And uh, hey, that's great! It's it's wonderful to be able to do what you love and love what you do. Yeah, and I was never ashamed to be a fan. You know, I, I wore it on my sleeve. I would wear. I mean, that's where the whole idea for the hurricane came about because I would wear comic book shirts all the time to, you know, uh, TV. Um, and I had the Green Lantern tattoo, of course, and. You know, even back when comics weren't quite, weren't nowhere near as popular as they are now, you know, because of how they dominated Hollywood for the last 15 years, you know, way before that, I was just a proud, you know, I love comics and it didn't matter if, you know, it didn't matter to me whether other people read them or not. I liked them. And so I, I was never shy about that. So obviously Green Lantern, Green Lantern is one of your top favorites and, or maybe you just like the design of the tattoo. So you decided to get that as opposed to anything else. That might relate to. I like the, I like the premise of willpower. Like you had to have willpower to hold the ring. You know, the mythology of the Green Lantern rings kind of changed a little bit uh, throughout the years, but you know, old school Green Lantern, like it was just all about willpower, no matter what. And they still hold true to that. And I just like that. I was the smallest kid on the football team, smallest kid on the wrestling team. You know, for somebody my size, I mean, I'm big for an average guy, but for pro wrestling size, not big, especially coming up in the '90s. So just willpower was a theme of my life, you know, so uh, that that was mainly what it was. Um, there's a lot more characters I like more and I like better than the Green Lantern, but just that whole, you know, willpower thing, just really, uh, that was something that resonated with me. Well, two things come to mind when you say, you know, you didn't have the, the size to go into wrestling, and I don't know that much at all, so forgive me here, but two things come to mind, and I wasn't sure if there was a requirement to to be in wrestling, and then I thought of, you know, the first Peter Parker Spider-Man story that uh, he's coming in as a pipsqueak to go against the big guy. And, you know, those thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I was just, I mean, I'm six foot and right now I'm like 230. So in average life, I'm a big guy. Mm-hmm. But in the world of pro wrestling, with you know, like especially, uh, I mean, I, I got into wrestling in 1988 and I got involved in the business. And I had my first match in 91. And back then it was still a big man's game. So everybody was... Everybody looked like Thor or the Incredible Hulk, and then you had my little ass in there. So. Mm. Um, but but it all worked out. It all worked out for the favorite character. My very first favorite character of all time was Captain Marvel from Marvel Comics. That mm-hmm. was my very first number one. Wow, yeah, that goes back quite a ways, sure. Yeah, I'm a Jim Starlin guy uh, through and through. The funniest thing is I've seen like I'm in uh, different comic book related groups on Facebook, and like one person was going on saying. I don't care very much for the Jim Starlin cosmic stuff. And I almost responded back with a very strongly worded comment because the Starlin cosmic stuff is incredible. It still holds up. It's still phenomenal to read. Like, you know, the Adam Warlock, Captain Marvel, even just, you know, going into the 90s, the Infinity Gauntlet and whatnot, just amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, this, this whole, you know, end game and Infinity War, like, you can't have that without Jim Starlin. I mean, he was, you know, uh, and I'm I'm glad his name was finally in the credits. I think it should have been even bigger, you know, uh, 
as far as you know being in the movies watching it um, yeah usually usually inspirational and instrumental in that universe though it's kind of crazy because Starlin is going to still be continuing getting acknowledgement in the upcoming movies because he's responsible for Shang-Chi and, you know, some of the characters, like I imagine Gamora is going to keep coming back in the movies. So I like knowing that Starlin's getting his, you know, respect. Yeah. Yeah. He's finally getting it, but he's still not getting enough. Not, not for my, not for my two cents. He needs a, he needs a lot more credit than he gets. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had him on the show before and he's just, He's such a very engaging, entertaining kind of personality in comics, and he's so knowledgeable uh, knowledgeable about this stuff. Yeah, we did a uh, signing together at one of the comic cons. I can't remember which one it was, but I made a point to go over and meet him, you know, and uh, let, him, let him know uh, that, like, like I said, I, I'm a Jim Starlin guy. So, <laughs> you know, I had to pay my respects. And then you, you know, you had mentioned that you're a fan of the X-Men, especially reading the current stuff. What do you think about all the Hickman Dawn of X, House of X, Powers. I mean, it's um, it's a little more intellectual than uh, than some of the stuff I read, and I'm a fan of that. I like that comic offers you a, that the comic book world offers you a variety. You know, sometimes uh, if I'm just kind of chilling, I want to see somebody just beat somebody up. You know, that's the Avengers right now. You know, that's just that's just kind of a it's a good action book. X Men is a little deeper right now. You know, and it's always had a bit of a political tone. You know, but. I don't think you can have the X-Men without that. But right now, like when they just did recently, a couple issues back, when they had a meeting with the world leaders and all of that, and you got Professor X with Magneto and then Apocalypse is in the room. You know, it's, just, it's pretty fascinating, this new little world that hit me crazy with Krakoa and all of that. So, yeah, it's really cool. The character change of Apocalypse especially in them is, it's jarring because of how, like I'm cur- I'm reading it concurrently with the uh, Claremont era. So like I just wrapped up some of the uh, Wolverine stuff, and now I'm going yeah. into back into uh, the end of the Sylvester run right before uh, Jim Lee comes aboard, and you see Apocalypse, and he's this big monstrous villain who's capable of all these dastard- uh, dastardly deeds, and then you see him on this end, and I, I get a sense of distrust from the fellow mutants on Krakoa towards him. Oh, oh yeah, there's this sense of, and it's really good, I mean, because it has to be by design. There's a sense of impending doom. Like, you know this ain't going to last. And so, <laughs> like, I think that's what's so fascinating about it. Like, it's cool that they're kind of sided with Apocalypse right now and all the villains, but you know it's going to break down. And, like, uh, that's kind of what everybody's waiting on, you know. But, like I said, I also like that little sense of impending doom is what's so interesting right now. <laughs> I also like the reinvention of Mr. Sinister in the series. Like, just immediately how him with the cape, like, his introduction in there, just phenomenal, hilarious stuff. And you can get away with it because, like, it's just, you know, a new version of the character, and it's funny. It's, you look at Mr. Sinister, and he's a goofy-looking kind of character, so kind of plays hand-in-hand. Yeah. There was some kind of goofy back-and-forth he had with Exodus recently. Talking about the big shoulder pads, he's like, he's trying to outdo me or something like that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I like his gossip corner. I think that's, like, one of the funniest things in the books now. Yeah, he's, he's really doing good. Have you been reading uh, Hawkeye Freefall? I read, I think, the first two issues. I'm backlogging everything right now. So I, I have time to read them now, but I read the first, I think, two issues, and I loved what I was reading. Rosenberg can do no yeah, that was 
that's one of the funniest books out there. That he just slides these little jokes in there. It has a very Seinfeld type sense of humor, which just slides it in there. It's not just like you know big setup to the jokes. It's a very, a very subtle. And I really dig, I really dig that from him. It was something too. Like he was a simple one. Like I'll give you an example. Like he was beat up on the couch. He was beat up, and like one of his buddies is like, "Man, are you okay?" He goes, "Yeah, you should see the other guy. He's fine." And just. But you never hear that he's fine line, so they just added that element to it. That's really good. So that was really funny. Yeah. That's a recurring line that just keeps coming back, and it still works. It's great. Kirk, yes, yeah, you just see the other guy. But then he goes, the other guy's fine, because he got his ass whooped. So that's what made this one better. Yeah, there you go. Is there any other, or are there any other titles that come to mind, Hurricane, and all that you're collecting? You kind of remind me of me in a sense that at one point I was collecting, I think, 24 titles a month. Man, when I was on the road, I was collecting everything. My collection is about 18,000 deep, so I got quite a few. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But, uh, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I like what I like. Like, right now, if you want to talk outside of Marvel, I'm really fascinated with Ice, Ice Cream Man. I don't know if you guys heard of that book, but it's like a horror anthology. Uh, every issue is like kind of a self-contained, and there's one reoccurring character called the Ice Cream Man. And it's very Twilight Zone-ish, but some mm-hmm. of the stories are just super well done. Like that one's really cool right now. I'm digging that one pretty big. And um, like on the DC side of things, like I'm really into Legion of Superheroes right now. Brian Michael Bendis is over there doing really good work with them. Um, Justice League is Justice League is okay right now. Um, I'm trying to trying to think off the top of my head what are, what are my favorites. Well, it slipped by me now, but I get it now. You said that Ice Cream Man is really cool. I get it now. Okay, so. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even mean that, but I did to catch. I had to do a quick rewind. Uh, yep, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Comics, uh, Dr. Tomorrow, I think, was pretty good. I don't know if you guys checked that out. Did you guys see the Bloodshot movie that Bang put out? I had tickets for it to go see it, and then I canceled them because once everything had happened, I'm planning on doing the uh, digital streaming of it, though, because I really want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really good, man. It's an action movie, you know. It's not, um, you know, I was, I hate for Valiant Comics that just happened all at that time. Well, I mean, I hate that the virus happened anyway, but like, you know, for them, like this was their, you know, debut into the big screen, and uh, it's a really good film. You know, it's action. You know, it might be Ben Diesel's one of his best films, so um, I really liked it. But if you I want, thought, anyway, yeah, back to I Marvel, thought, I think uh, Spider Woman has been really good. I don't know if you guys picked that up. I did. Yeah, I didn't get into it, but I did pick up that, that debut issue. You didn't like it? No, I I have liked what she what I've seen her do and, and been in so far. I just haven't read this this new iteration. Okay. Hurricane, you should see Eddie's pile of books he has to still read. And by pile I mean mountain. And by mountain I mean landmass. Yeah, it's a it's a big thing. <laughs> Very Yeah, I I've been there. There's still some that I get so far behind I just these are ones I just wish I read but I haven't. Yeah, you know, it, it, I think it happens to all of them. And when it, it's funny, you know, going back over to the stuff of Valiant, I, th- I feel bad for them because, like, you know, you had said, everything goes to hell immediately right when they're about to make their debut. And it's it's a shame because, I, you know, right before the movie came out, because I have uh, Comixology Unlimited, you can, you know, check out some of Valiant stuff that's on there. And I was borrowing, like, doing the Valiant reading order. So I was going Exo Man Award. Then I was reading uh, Rise. Then I was reading this and that. But they have such a wealth of amazing stories that they could adapt into films. Like Exo Manowar alone would be a great, you know, movie franchise. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, Conan the Barbarian and Iron Man armor. I mean, that's, that's what that story is. And it would be made for, uh, you know, made for the big screen. So. I know well, right now. we'll get you know, past all this mess and they can get back at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's absolutely. Absolutely. everybody, I guess. And, like, the one thing, you know, they've said, like, it was in development and, you know, obviously because of everything going on, but even beforehand it was stalled. But, like, Quantum and Woody was uh, rumored to be a TV series or was optioned to be a series. And that's honestly one of the single most underrated comics I've ever read. It's absolutely hilarious. And what I find funny about it is Christopher Priest, the writer, he worked on Deadpool for a little while. And the de- he was working on it, I think, the same exact time. So he's working on Deadpool and Quantum and Woody. And the Quantum and Woody stuff is infinitely way more funnier than the Deadpool stuff. And you can tell which he was putting more of his effort in, in terms of humor. Okay. I have to check out his run because I read the new one and I didn't think it was that funny at all. If you, uh, the one that just started, the only, like, uh, one or two issues out there, it's brand new. Honestly, the ones that I recommend the most are the original Christopher Priest run, the Daniel Kibblesmith run, um, and the run that came out right when uh, Valiant relaunched, like recently, or a couple of years ago. Okay. But Quantum and Woody's pretty solid. suggested to me, but I've never picked it up. Honestly, the original run is where it's at, though. Like, if you have to read Quantum right. and Woody, read the original, because it's, it's pretty funny. I think Christopher, uh, if I remember, um, and I met the guy, very nice guy too. Um, I think I had him sign some actual some Black Panther of the, of that run. I remember Christopher P, uh, Priest Black Panther run for sure. I definitely mm-hmm. read all that. Yep, Peter. I actually sat with Christopher Priest. We recorded like a bit of an interview at Terrificon, I think, twenty eighteen that year. And like it, it was, it was one of those interviews. Like he, we kept stopping and pausing because for about ten minutes he needed chapstick apparently, and so he ended up getting the uh, promoter of the convention to get him literally a popsicle stick with chap on it. And there's not much to the story, so take that for what you will. <laughs> well, okay, that's a little anecdote or something. Mm-hmm. Is it Eddie? Is it? It's something. A little sidebar, footnote, something to that effect. Yeah. Now, going back over, you know, to the X-Men, because X-Men is always going to be one of those topics that I cannot get enough of. And on our episode we did with Jason Ayers, there is a big connection with pro wrestling and the X-Men. And Jason gave his opinion. What is your opinion why so many pro wrestlers gravitate towards the X-Men? I mean, X-Men is just a popular comic. I don't know if I've noticed a uh, uh, wrestler's favoring them more than, than any other characters, but... I mean, wrestling just really connects with the comics anyway. I mean, the comics are just larger than life. You know, you take regular stories and you make them larger than life. I mean, that's what pro wrestling is. You take regular wrestling and you make it larger than life. So uh, that, that's, that's why you kind of have that connection to comics. Um, but different, you know, I've known different guys. And, like, you know, Al Snow's favorite character is the Human Torch. Uh, RBD's favorite character is the Ghost Rider. Edge's favorite character is Thor. So... Um, there's a lot of different people that like a lot of different characters. Like I said, I'm not saying that wrestlers don't like the X-Men, because I'm sure they do. Any, I think anybody that likes comics, at some point, you like the X-Men. It's, it's just wild, because like from my experience, like I know a friend of the show, Matt Turner, he's like he's an indie wrestler, and one of like the things he does, his tag team is called Team Blue and Gold. And 
when I saw he has uh, T-shirts designed like the uh, original uh, Jim Lee covers, and they're so dope. I love seeing that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, it's very cool. I know. Also, you favorite, know, again, my favorite X Men is Colossus. Followed oh, Colossus by Nightcrawler. Great. And my least favorite though is, believe it or not, is Wolverine, just because how just oversaturated I am with him and. Uh, sometimes, you know, he's immortal, it seems. And, like, to me, that takes away all the jeopardy and the danger that, is, you know, can circulate around somebody if they can come back from anything. So I kind of really drifted away from Wolverine a, long, Wolverine a long time ago. I noticed, though, like, they're slowly reincorporating Wolverine back into everything, but I think they're learning from their lessons of what he was. Because when... You know, all the X-Men titles relaunched. We ended up getting X-Force, Marauders, Excalibur, X-Men, New Mutants. No Wolverine titles. And then they saved it for Wave 2, and he's only getting one book. So yeah, I kind of I mean, like so, that. Sometimes less is more. You know, I mean, there, mm-hmm. there for a while he was in all of the Avengers books. He was in all the X-Men books. He had his own books. He was just everywhere. Personally, I loved when they acknowledged that like how many teams he was on. They're like, wow, what? how can you manage this? Yeah, he, he doesn't sleep. <laughs> He's the best big man of the uh, X-Men. The one that kind of gets me, though, is Deadpool also for a while was like super oversaturated. And now, even though the character is really popular, they're limiting him, too. He just has one series now. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, I understand, too, like if, if it's selling... You know, it's still just still the. I understand the business behind it. If the books are selling, and that character's making those books sell, I I do understand the business behind it. But like from a storytelling standpoint, I just got really tired of, you know, uh, the the lack of limitations they put on him. Because I loved it back in the day. He had this healing factor, but he could still be hurt. You know, um, then there's like a book. Uh, I think Garth Ennis might have been writing writing it, and like somebody ran over him with a steamroller, and he was just you know, liquefied and somehow put himself back together and just like, oh my, come on now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, haven't read, I haven't read his return, you know, how they brought him back, but I am curious how they brought him out of that uh, adamantium crypt, you know, because you can't break adamantium. I know that for a fact. Right. Eddie? It was funny that uh, you just happened to mention that you loved Colossus as your favorite. I was thinking if there was one that you related to the most, and you kind of came out and said that too. And I, uh, I do. I don't know if I have a favorite myself, but that is a great choice. Yeah, I just like the fact that you know he has that little human side, and then he becomes the mutant. You know what I mean? He can like make that transformation. I, so you got I that, like that. Yeah, that duality, and um, I think Gentle Giant in some respects as well. And just the love of his family, too, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite returns. I forget. Maybe it was Josh Whedon was writing when he returned, when Colossus returned from the dead. That might have been one of my favorite returns in all of comics. Yeah, I was going to just throw in, a, throw in a, uh, something I really can't talk too much about, which is wrestling. I was just looking at some info, and it's just a side question from two years ago, the 2018 Royal Rumble. Uh, it had you listed as a surprise entrant or entrance and guests and how did that um i don't know come about or i know that's done from time to time but were you the only one that was a surprise in that particular event me and ray mysterio were the two surprises um but i think 
my surprise was a little bit more well hidden. Um, me and my uh, my wife, we we flew to uh, that that rumble was in Philadelphia, and they actually flew us to Newark, and we wore disguises in the airport, disguises in the hotels because. Um, you know, she's so recognizable that if wrestling, wrestling fans know her, too, by all their pictures that she has over me. So, um, you know, she wore a dog wig, you know. Uh, they took us in a limo down to the arena. They pulled us up to these big uh, tour buses. They came out with these big umbrellas to hide us from, like, fans and cameras and stuff around us. And we just hid on that bus for a couple hours until it was time to go in. And... The, the pay-per-view had already started before I went into the building. And when I went into the building, like, you know, none of the other wrestlers knew I was going to be there. So I had this really a lot of cool moments of, you know, uh, reconnecting with some of my friends and some people that I haven't met, but, you know, uh, you know, had been established in WWE at that point. And so, I mean, it was really cool. And just, uh, I mean, the, um, the ovation the crowd gave me really just blew me away. You know, it was a really great moment for me. I remember I went to a uh, House of Hardcore show in Poughkeepsie, New York, and you were one of the guest appearances in one of the matches. And I remember how deafening your response was. And it was it was one of those, I had like the goofiest smile because I'm like, hell yeah, we still love them. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Like you always, you know, you know, you hope you're going to get it, but you can't be too cocky and assume you're going to get that kind of reaction every time. Because when you get cocky, that's when you know, you're not going to get it. But um you know, it's hard to express to fans how much you really appreciate stuff like that. But, I mean, all I can do is say thank you a million times over. And one of my, one of my things is that when you – when the Marvel movies were, like, getting really big and, you know, DC has their attempts of going out the movies and everything is superhero mania, I'm like, when is the hurricane going to come back? I still want to see just one more time just something, you know? Uh, well, you, you never know, especially now that I'm a producer back there. and uh, I, I'm in the fold, but they, they like what I'm doing in the role I'm in now. So, uh, you, but, but like I said, you never know. I, I exactly. do know that I would have to get back in spandex shape. I'm not quite in a spandex shape right now. So. <laughs> well, one of, one of the things that got me really ecstatic was when WWE releases their line with Mattel, the Elite series, and you now have, you don't have just one in that run. You have two. You have the uh, different, I think the, the different colored boot variant. But you have that now. And somebody can take a Hurricane figure and put them alongside the Avengers if they want to. Same scale, same everything. It's kind of cool to see. Yeah, when, um, that's what really helped. When Jack, the first action figure I had was the Jack Pacific. And uh, they called me uh, a couple months after it was out, and it was their... At that time, it was their best-selling figure of all time. And I think it was because of what you said, because you could see my action figure, and it could wrestle, but you could also just put it with the, the Avengers or the Justice League. Mine could actually uh, play with both. So that really helped, you know. And uh, I mean, I don't know if it still is their best-selling. I would assume, you know, John Cena or somebody might have told me at this point. But uh, back, back in those days, I mean, they, would do, they did really well. And the new one from Mattel is doing super well, too. So um, it's always good to, to know that fans still like you. Again, you can tell it's doing super well because I can't find it on store shelves. And when I tried to order it on eBay, it's like quadruple the price. So I'm like, eh, got to try and, you know, scratch that figure itch, but out in the wild one day. <laughs> yeah. And 
They might, they, you know, uh, I think they're in, finally, they're in Targets and Walmarts and stuff right now. So if you find it, let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. I know uh, you were actually the very first wrestler I met all the way back in 2003. There was a uh, autograph signing at Poughkeepsie, New York. You guys were doing a, uh, a house show at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. And like I said, you know, one of the things was I brought a uh, issue of Toy Fair magazine, and you know, I took a picture with you with the pic with the uh, magazine. I never got to send it, so I, you know, we could both get our free subscription uh, to Toy Fair. But <laughs> honestly, that was like one of the most memorable things for me. You were the first wrestler I ever met, and just it was tremendous, you know. And I remember uh, I brought the Hurricane Flexum action figure, and your reaction to it was priceless because you had not seen that one yet. That, that's the one with all the muscles, right? Yes. It was like, and it was the uh, one where you didn't have the uh, top on. So it was like, you know, just regular without it. Yeah, it looked like he, man. Yeah, I wish I looked like that. I know. Uh, we're definitely going to be, was, when this episode goes up, I'm Who else was with me? Who else was with it me? It was then? just you. Oh, really? Okay. And I wouldn't meet another pro wrestler again until uh, D'Lo Brown, Al Snow, and Mick Foley uh, a year later. Oh, there you have it. Absolutely. And it's, you know, again, those memories and the impact a lot of what you guys have on fans is. And I, I see it also, you know, in terms of the comic conventions, you've done a number of appearances, I think, as well with uh, Mike Kingston of Headlock Comics. Yeah, yeah. Mike's, uh, I'm a big fan of what Mike's done. And I actually wrote a short story for his, uh, for his book. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to ever check that out. I'll, I'll, it's actually in motion comic form, too. I'll send you guys the uh, link and you can uh, check it out at some point. But, yeah, I'm really impressed with what Mike's done and what he's built. Mike always has the biggest line of anyone at a comic convention. And every year at New York Comic Con, he's responsible for uh, traffic jams in the main area of the con. And I'm always proud of him for that because it means there's always going to be a big line, a big reaction to the stuff he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anytime I've done a, a con with Mike, it's always been, been you know, received super well, so. He's, he's done a lot of work, man. I respect the hustle. You know, uh, that's not easy. You know, just breaking into comics as an independent and having no support from a major publisher. You know what? Like I said, what he's done and what he's built. Because he pitched headlights to me back in. I think I was still in WWE the first time, so maybe 2009, 2010. Uh, 2010 was when I left. So 2009 or 2008. I finally convinced WWE to have a presence at New York Comic Con. For years, they wouldn't. They just, uh, for whatever reason. And uh, finally, they did, and they sent me out there, and that's where I met Mike. And when Mike was you know, pitching me the idea for Headlight Comics, I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Because I've read like wrestling-related comics before, and I never really liked them. Um, it's hard to really capture the spirit of what pro wrestling is unless you do it, especially in the independent level. But Mike did his homework. He did his research, and I mean that book is fantastic. And it's really true to some of the struggles that you know wrestlers go to go through, you know, before they make it big. And most of them don't make it big. So um, I thought he did a fantastic job with it. And I know uh, right now they're on like a bit of a hiatus because of everything. But I'm hoping eventually one of the kickstarters for Headlock comes along because. Every time, you know, I've tried to do help out with one of those, something comes up and I wasn't able to. Now that I'm able to, the Kickstarter isn't happening. So it's kind of a bummer, but fingers crossed something can happen soon, you know? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. 
You know, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you know going on that I'm just ready for things to get back to normal. You know, absolutely. And you know, one of the things also that makes Mike's books so stand out. First off, you know, his artist on the book is an actual pro wrestler himself, Michael uh, Molopola, I think. I think that's how it's pronounced. And he's, and you know, he's even got Jerry Lawler doing England. the covers. Yeah, Lawler is incredible. And Mike, uh, I think Mike's either out of Australia or New Zealand. Uh, probably New Zealand. Yeah, he's fantastic, too. Uh, they put together a good team. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just, it's something very uh, special that you don't see very often in, you know, comics. It's, it's very much a uh, DIY approach. And, again, just insane how much that's already grown. And, yeah, and that series, that, uh, that book could be a TV series as well. You know, an HBO and Netflix type thing. I'm surprised it hasn't, to be honest. Like, I would love to see something with that. Especially, I know, um, I think two years ago, he ended up doing, like, uh, something at San Diego Comic-Con, and The Rock was there, and he was trying to meet up with The Rock, but he is on The Rock's radar, so that was nice to know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I sent some stuff to Rock's team for him to, uh, you know, try to make some stuff, you know, I don't know how much wrestling-related stuff Rock wants to do, you know, um, I'm ready for him to be Black Adam, to be honest with you. Black Adam is my, is my favorite all-time character, my number one. And that was way before I found out that The Rock was going to be him. So uh, I'm super stoked for that. It's wild that he's so tailor-made for that role because when you look at The Rock and you look at Black Adam, they're pretty much one and the same. It's insane. Yeah. I just hope they don't do the pointy beard. That, I mean, it's, like I said, Black Adam's my favorite character of all time, but I think we've outgrown the pointy beard. Like, I understood why they did it back in the day because, you know, with artistic limitations, pointed ears were evil. But I've been to that area of the world, and he's not a Vulcan. <laughs> you know, nobody has pointed ears. <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, I kind of hope they they did do away with the pointed ears. But other than that, I'm I'm a, I'm fascinated and I'm super excited. Well, I think that the pointed ears go more relegated to uh, like Elf Quest or something. No, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, like I say, if, if you're not Spock. Or an elf. I don't know where these pointed ears come from. That's right, yeah. I was going to ask uh, just a tangent type of question, wrestling thing, when uh, when Peter said, like to see you one more time, and you said, well, you never know. You're doing a different thing. You're still in the in the realm of it, but in the producer end and so on. But And I assume, like with other sports, there is, if not specifically, a general age where it's like, okay, you know what? Time's over. That's taken over. You phase into something else. Is there a limit, a cap? of sorts of where it's like, all right, you're too old to do that part of it now. Yeah, we call it the bump card. You know, every fall in wrestling we call it bump, and generally your bump card fills up and your body just breaks down. You know, I started really young. I started training for pro wrestling at 13. I was a referee at 15, and I had my debut at 16. So in 1988 was when I started taking bumps, you know, and I just stopped. Um I had my last match uh, last year, 2019. So, a lot of years, a lot of a lot of wear and tear on the body. Yeah. Um, most guys don't have that long of a career, so I've been pretty blessed. I've been pretty lucky about things. Had a lot of things go my way. Um, so, uh, I think I've exceeded the uh, expiration date. <laughs> uh, luckily, you know, for every Ric Flair you got that can do it three or four decades, there's a thousand guys that can't. So, I mean, uh, I've been very lucky. 
Now, going back over to the movies and kind of stuff like that, are there any characters in the Marvel or DC or Image or Dark Horse universe that you could see yourself playing as? Uh, well, a funny story, um, I was on the set of X-Men 2, um, this was years ago when it was being filmed, and I was having a, you know, a group of us, a group of the writers and the producers went out for lunch, and they, I was asked to uh, read for Gambit. The, uh, wow. The, the way I talk. Wow, the, uh, the yeah. Head, the, head, the head producer goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes, you could be Gambit. And I go, I could be Gambit. And then he goes, literally, this was a group of group of people. He goes, well, would you come out and read for it? And I go, yeah. And uh, but so, uh, but then that team left to do Superman Returns. And so they never brought Gambit back in for, you know, a, a new team came on to do uh, X-Men 3 and all that, and they never returned. So, uh, not saying I would have got the part, but I was offered to read for Gambit, so that would have been interesting. And I that started training. Cool. I started to learn the card tricks and stuff like that, which I can't do anymore. But I was uh, I was amped up. I was going to give it a go. The funniest thing is I've seen you listed in fan casts for the role of Gambit in the past, like multiple times. And it's one of those where you you don't consider it, and then you're like, wait, that actually makes perfect sense. I would love to see that. <laughs> Yeah, and if you hear me talk, I get, you know, when, when people uh, ask me where I'm from, I generally uh, ask them to take a guess. I get Louisiana 99% of the time. Mm. So uh, I'm not from Louisiana, but <laughs> that's what, apparently that's what it sounds like that I'm from. So uh, I think that's why I get associated with Gambit the most. All right, Eddie, you got any more? I am good. I thank you very much for your time, Hurricane, and that insight. And, uh, all your love of comics, we appreciate that, and keep on doing what you're doing. Oh man, I appreciate it, man. You guys keep doing what you're doing, man. We gotta, we gotta keep the comics industry alive. Yeah. All right. So before we go, Shane, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Uh, I'm on all platforms at ShaneHelmsCom, uh, ShaneHelmsCom, um, and I got a podcast out every week called Highway to Helms. It's Highway, the number two Helms. And so um, you guys can check me out there. I talk about comics and my, uh, usually I'm talking about traveling, which I'm not doing right now. So that kind of, that segment's kind of faded away. But other than that, yeah, I keep it really entertainment based, not really wrestling heavy at all. There's a million wrestling podcasts out there. And then I got a segment called the Comic Slam where I talk about what I'm reading. And uh, that's, the, that's the segment you guys probably would dig the most. So um, if you get a chance, check that out. For The Marvelist, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Shane Hurricane Helm. And I'm Eddie Wilson, Excelsior, obsessed with Marvel, featuring our guest, Shane the Hurricane Helms. Question number 968. Peter, don't say it. I won't. Who substituted for Steve Rogers as Captain America in Captain America number 181 to 183? This is in 1975. Who substituted? Was it the 1950s Bucky? Was it the 1950s Captain America? Was it a boy named Roscoe or Rick Jones? I'll read it again. Who substituted for Steve Rogers as Captain America in Captain America 181 to 183? The 1950s Bucky, the 1950s Captain America, a boy named Roscoe or Rick Jones? A man named Sting, a boy named Roscoe. I... Name a more iconic duo. I'll wait. No, I'm thinking a boy named Sue, but that's Johnny Cash. Anyway. I'm going with uh, the 50s cap. 
I didn't think he could come back, but okay. Well, he did from the original Deep Sleep, but uh, Hurricane, what do you think? This book was out in the 50s, is what you said? Yeah, one of the answers, well, two of the answers. One was the 1950s Bucky or the 1950s Captain America, and then again, a boy named Roscoe or Rick Jones. I'm going to go with Rick Jones. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's helped I'm others. I'm too. Yeah. Oh, now you're shifting. Okay. Well, I'm kind of yeah. going there. But so, all right, let's try Rick Jones, letter D. And that is not correct. The answer ah. is a boy named Roscoe. This is not a good start. But anyway, we were just totally, un uh, we, we were ambushed or something, or bushwhacked. I don't know what the right term is, wrestling or otherwise. So that's just me. All right, let's go. Does it, does it say? Does it say why? Does it say why? Sometimes I really would like to know why. I guess we're going to have to look it up. Um, I'll have to go back and do my homework and look up those issues. Question my number four. I have to say, my favorite was when we had Tom Brevoort on, and he goes, oh, yeah. yeah, the book is wrong. Yeah, he says, I know, I wrote it, I did it, or whatever. It's this answer. So I made a note, and I said, this question is wrong. And I, I, I have to flag it somewhere. All right, question 407 says... Who, excuse me, what was the occupation of Gwen Stacy's father? Here we go. I think we can do this. Police captain. Uh, no, that's another wrestling anecdote. You will give that one later. Police captain. Uh, private detective, U.S. Army captain, or U.S. Navy captain. The occupation of Gwen Stacy's father. Police captain, private detective, U.S. Army captain, or U.S. Navy captain. He was a police captain in the movie. I would say police captain as well. Yeah, I think he was that Absolutely. also in the uh, in the com. I I believe in the comic also. I remember that mm -hmm. like, iconic uh, Spider-Man thing with Doc Ock and the chimney falling and boom, that was it. <laughs> uh, I really want to hear shortened versions of like your descriptions of events, Eddie. Could you give me the Gwen Stacy death, please? Snap. <laughs> Is that Ow. that's that's what you okay? Fine. All right, so let's go with police captain letter A and yes, thank goodness it's. Police captain. Okay, for Gwen Stacy's dad. Let's go ahead as soon as the computer in this book figures out what it wants to do here. And fast forward we go. And I don't know if you know this, but his name, his middle name was Roscoe. No, stop. Really? Get out. <laughs> no. That no, was <laughs> that's good. I like that. Oh, that's where one of us would have said, you stop that. <laughs> one one five two. Okay. What? Oh, this is easy. What is Nightcrawler's last name? Is it Strauss? Is it List? Is it Schubert? Or is it spelled with a W, but Wagner? Wagner. Kurt Schubert. Kurt Schubert, please. I think just go to D, please. Letter D. What do you mean, no? It's letter A, Strauss? Uh-oh. I think your book has a problem. I think the book is needing a rest. That doesn't sound right. Unless it's a different Nightcrawler, because there was a different one, but it, it was just a it was a it was a beast. It was a it was just I don't know an unnamed thing. Hurricane, I, Hurricane, I think your catchphrase works very best in this moment. Yeah, I, I'm throwing a flag on that one. It's been Kurt Wagner for as long as I know, or Wagner. Wow. Okay. Do we need that catchphrase now? What's up with that? Thank you. 1980. Let's go to not the year, but the question number. All right. What a year it was. Peter doesn't know. He was still negative eight or something, I think. Yes, 1980. All right. Coming out of the disco phase. Who was not 
one of the criminals whose abilities were transferred to the masked marauders, Tri-Man, in Daredevil number 22. Oh, this is going back to 1966. All right. Who was not one of the criminals whose abilities were transferred to the masked marauders, Tin Man, in Daredevil 22? The Torpedo, the Dancer, the Mangler, or the Brain? Not one of the criminals whose abilities was transferred to the Mass Marauders Tin Man. That's Tri Man. The Torpedo, the Dancer, the Mangler, the Brain. This is a just a wild guess, I think, here, but that's me. Butcher, the Baker, the Candlestick Maker. Uh, and none of the above, no. All right, so I just might be wrong, but I'm going to say Torpedo, and I'm only going to say that because I know Marvel had a book called The Human Torpedo for a long time. Okay. And so maybe if they had a hero named. Uh, torpedo, they wouldn't be a villain in Torpedo. So nope. that's my logic behind it, but it could very well be wrong. Yeah, I didn't think I've heard of uh, heard of the dancer, the torpedo I've heard of, uh, was in a solo book for like a Marvel premiere and also showed up in somebody else's, I want to say Spider-Man, but I'm not sure. I have no idea. All right, so we're going to say the torpedo letter A and holy cow, it's right. What do you know? <laughs> 